Episode 22, Hobnails, Hoops, and High Shatter, a podcast by everyday fans for everyday fans. Danny Rucker and Christian Britt here with you tonight. Emory is at an away basketball game and will not make it tonight. And like we always say, when one of us is out, probably be a better show without him. Always, uh, but, except for but, uh, we were supposed to we were supposed to record Sunday night, and uh, I had some things come up, and it wasn't going to get home till late. So we agreed, hey, we're going to go Monday night. Let's get it done Monday night. And then Christian, we were trying to solidify time, and then all of a sudden, Emory brings this. Uh, crashing down and says, well, I'm not going to be home. And then we say, well, where are you at? Oh, we got a basketball game tonight. Oh, okay. I'm thinking like you think. Yeah. He's going to be home about 930. We'll start about 945. Games in Granger, Christian. <laughs> yeah. Games yeah. in Granger High School. <laughs> not only an away game, it's an away game in Granger It's an County. away game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, it's and he, and he rode the bus, so he's got to not only, you know, come back home, he can't go straight home. He's got to go back to Northview out in Kodak and then come all the way back down Boyd's Creek. Yeah, he's he's in tomato country right now as we speak. So, yeah, yeah, he could have uh, could have given us a heads up um, that hey guys, I may not make it tonight. Um, we didn't find out till about an hour ago, I guess, hour and a half ago. Uh, but we're gonna go anyways. We got some good topics that we're gonna talk about. A lot of griping today. Uh, Christian, a lot of things that tons, tons of we've got some strong, strong opinions on. Uh, let's start off with our NFL opening weekend. And before we start griping about things, awesome weekend of NFL games. Uh, all four games came down and won on the last play. I don't know if that's ever been done or will be done again. Yeah, and and most and, of them upsets as well, which was – they said it was it, – it, it's never happened where all four teams in the divisional round – like up, like we're upset. The winners were upsets, and it still didn't happen because the Chiefs ended up pulling out. But it was three out of four there, so that would have been pretty, pretty crazy as well. But yeah, I can't remember honestly there ever being a time in my life where I was more into and attached to a single playoff weekend of NFL football. Yeah, me neither. And since you mentioned the Chiefs and Bills, let's go ahead and game. Yeah, yeah, and I, you want me to go ahead and do my my quote of the week on this. All right, so yeah, so my my quote of the week comes from Andy Reid, head coach of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and so his his quote comes uh, in response to it's about Patrick Mahomes, uh, with you know in regards to the the final thirteen seconds there, and uh, it it was a pretty cool quote. He said, "When it's grim, be the grin reaper." Do you think so, he really told him that? I don't think he told him that. I think he probably. Had had that one saved for like a sick, cool, you know, post post conference, uh, uh, you know, quote like this that we talk about on podcasts like this, and and it came out pretty cool. I don't think he told him in the moment, but if he did, that's pretty that's pretty freaking cool on Andy Reid's part. Yeah, I'd like to watch uh, some film to see if he actually went up to Mahomes um, before the drive and said that I'd like to see if that really happened or that's just something cool. Like you said, like you said that he said after the game, we yeah, I told him this and there's really no way to check it, but yeah. uh, it was looking grim. 13 seconds left ball in the 25, two great, great pl- uh, plays and passes that, you know, looking back, you know, Buffalo could have probably done a little, something a little bit different, but I, also at that time, 
you're not thinking, all right, I'm going to stop this 20 yard route. You're like, don't score, don't score. Keep him in front, keep him in front. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things going back and forth. Like, uh, well, he should have done this, should have done this. Well, I mean, you can say that about a lot of plays. Should have yeah. played this better. Should have played that better. And I think overall, they're thinking can't get beat deep, can't get beat here, can't can't let him out of bounds. So they're going to give him the middle of the field. And then, you know, looking back at that corner, could have played a little bit more inside on Kelsey on that second second pass. Um, but even then, I, I felt like the the great game was tarnished by the coin flip. And uh, I don't think there's a worse overtime rule in sports than this one. I don't know that there's a worse rule in sports than this one. I mean, uh, just in general. I mean, it's I just can't believe it. I think we talk about it all the time. You know, how – I mean, the regular season, obviously a playoff game can't end in a tie, but how is it the most popular sport in all of America for 17 weeks every game can end in a tie? And then you get to this where, you know, you have the best you know NFL playoff weekend arguably of all time, and it's capped off by – basically disappointment i mean you basically cut it short i mean you didn't let them you know really really hash it out almost i mean mm-hmm. and i know there's a lot of differing opinions on this i think most people the majority agree that this is this has got to change um and i saw a lot of people saying uh that it you know that's that's part of it you know that's how the rules are and yeah that's that is how they are but that doesn't mean that it can, they shouldn't be changed i mean so this is pretty interesting in in the last 11 nfl playoff games that went into overtime the last 11, how many do you think the winner was the winner of the coin toss as well, if you had to guess? Oh, I saw the stat. It's 10. 10. 10 out of 10. the last 11 who won the coin toss won the game. So there's obviously something there. Like, it's not just – I wonder know, how many of those 10 scored a touchdown on the first drive. Like, I, didn't I, even give a chance for the uh, other team. I'd argue a, a good a good amount. Probably not all of them. About, I'd say about six. I'd say at I mean, least, yeah. Six out of 11 times, the, the team that won the coin toss, because they scored first, because the defense is on their heels a little bit, yep. uh, lost the game. I mean, I saw a lot of comparisons. I made one. It's like, you know, uh, NBA player. I saw somebody say, yeah, well, if Buffalo would have played better defense, this wouldn't have been the case. Well, I mean, you could say that about any play that Buffalo scored on. Yeah. Uh, where the guy, uh, Davis, you know, crossed up the defender, cut to the end zone, and – Wide open. If Kansas City doesn't, if they play better defense, they wouldn't have scored that. Well, you can say that about a lot. Yeah. Um, but you took the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, who was having monster game, and so was Mahomes. Probably one of the best quarterback duels I've ever seen. Ever going toe to toe, and you took the ball out of his hands and didn't even give him a chance because he didn't pick tails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, or ads or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean the and one of the 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 big arguments is well, you're, you know. It's the Bills' responsibility for their defense to get a stop, and they're held liable because of that. Well, why? Why do the the Chiefs didn't have to get a stop to win? Why are they not held? Why is their defense not held liable? I mean, it, it just has so many flaws in it. I mean, I don't understand yeah. why both teams gave up thirty six points in regulation. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Know, so, so that's exactly right. So you should have, but you, both teams should have had a chance. I think with the ball, and I I really yeah. believe. Overtime rules are going to be changed because of this game. I think I think we see some new rules next year because of this. Yeah, we, um, it's just not. It's it wasn't fair to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands completely without a chance to win. Yeah, we we talked about about that the the rule change and unfortunately, I think something like this had to happen for the NFL to potentially look into changing the rules and hopefully they do and hopefully 
this was the quote unquote sacrifice that had to come to be able to get it changed. You know, I hate that it had to happen that way if, if it ends up changing, you know, and that Josh Allen and the Bills, you know, they this this is who the Chiefs eliminated them last year. I mean, everyone's seen the the, the picture of Stephon Diggs who set out on the field and, and stood and watched as mm-hmm. the the Chiefs, you know, celebrated the, the championship last year and you know, he, he did that for motivation and then here we are three hundred and sixty four days exactly later. And, you know, it comes down to the end. He had a great game. And the fact that he didn't, you know, we talk about Josh Allen not even getting the ball in his hands. Stephon Diggs didn't get a chance to play either. And, you know, I mean, in the, in the overtime, yep. he didn't get a chance to even step on the field. I mean, so yep. I just think regardless of, I mean, obviously that's how the rules are in place. It's, it's a fair win. We're not arguing that. I just think it's not for a sport like this where everything is, is so offensively, you know, skewed at this point. Why, why not? make the game, you know, where they both both teams get a chance at that point. I mean, why not do it? I think it just provides more entertainment. It provides more football. If they're worried about, you know, playing a longer overtime with health and safety and all that stuff, well, why'd you extend the, the, the season an extra game this year? Yeah, so, I was going to point that out. Emory actually made that point. Um, why, you know, like you said, why extend it? Uh, there's, a, there's ways that you can play overtime and determine a winner and play less than yeah. you would have played if you played the whole quarter. I mean, if you high school starts them on the ten, you got four plays to get the score. Yeah, and, and you don't uh, even you know, include special teams in that. How many injuries yeah. happen on special teams? I mean, tons. A lot. They've ch- yeah. they changed special teams rules every year because kick returns and punt returns, people get hurt, and th- there's no special teams and you know other than a field goal kick or something like that, or an yep. extra point. There's no none of that even in overtime. Yep. Yeah, I say give them a give them a four play drive to score. If it's tied after that, let them go two point conversions. Just yeah. you get a play, you get a play. Maybe if you don't match it, the other team scores, and you don't match it, they you lose. You you at least give them a chance. And I mean, how many plays are you talking there? If that if it goes to the double overtime, you're talking 10, 10 total plays, four and yeah. four at the most if they score their touchdowns, and then a two point conversion each. I don't think yep. that's too much to ask. No, honestly. put them at put them at the fifty. I mean. At that point, if you don't want to put them at the twenty-five, is that is that where college starts? Twenty-five. Yeah, that's right. Uh, twenty-five. I just think high school starts at ten. You get you get four plays. Yeah. You know, at least yeah. if you start on the twenty-five, you might have twelve plays or eleven. Yeah. If you're I worried mean, about yeah. safety. Cut it to the ten and say you got four plays to score. Yeah, yeah. Put them at put the ten. Put the I mean, put it the fifty if you want to add a little more defense in there and make it not too easy to score. Well, I mean, there's endless possibilities here, but the 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 point is it needs to change and there needs to be a chance for both teams to have. Both sets of their, you know, offense and defense out on the field, and I mean, ten of the last eleven. This is not. This is not an outlier. This is the. This is the norm. I mean, you're, you're essentially, and now that teams know this too, it's it's essentially giving you momentum. A coin flip is providing momentum. I mean, a, mm-hmm. a coin flip should provide almost zero momentum. I mean, it should provide a little bit. You're pumped, whatever. You celebrate for about five seconds as you're running back to the huddle, but. I mean, it's it's demoralizing to lose. I mean, you got to think that Bills players probably thought, "Oh my gosh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is arguably the best quarterback in the world. We may not even get a chance to get back on the field at this point." So I just, it's just, there's too much relying on a coin flip. I mean, it's just it's that simple. Yep. Um, another game I want to gripe about is the Titans game. Of course, being a Titans fan, there's no really issue with the gameplay itself. Like, there's no reason that they got cheated out of a win. They just didn't play well. And a lot of that was on their quarterback who threw three interceptions. And I saw an interesting stat. All seven of the other starting quarterbacks in the in the uh, this weekend combined for three total picks. And Tannehill had three by himself. And no none more crucial than the very last one. 
where you literally don't have to even throw the ball. Nope. Uh, for for that reason, now it's always hindsight. Look, you know, looking back, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. It's easy to say that he shouldn't have thrown it because uh, if he completes it and they get in field goal range, nobody says anything. Because uh, he completed two passes before then, never said a word. But also, he tries to throw it into triple coverage to a guy who hadn't caught a ball all game. Throw that thing away and kick it to them with 15 seconds left going from their 10. And yeah, if it's Patrick Mahomes, they might get in field goal range. Joe Burrow probably isn't doing that in his second year of football. No. Yeah, you've got the arguably the best defense in the NFL and definitely left in the playoffs kick it to him with 15 seconds. I mean, your 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 mindset has to be I mean, he's not a he's not a rookie quarterback. He's a veteran quarterback at this point. You know, he's been around for a while and you know, just to and I, and I hate to just put it all about him, but that's basically what it's all about at this point. I mean, no one I mean, the defense played stellar. I mean, Joe Burrow got sacked 9 times. Yep. 9 times. There was never a in the history of the NFL, there's never been a quarterback win a playoff game being sacked 8 times or more. And Joe Burrow mm-hmm. got sacked nine times, and it's still one. And, and the you Titans know, on, only... that, uh, on that note, there's a lot of uh, Joe Burrow this, Joe Burrow that. And by the yeah. way, I, I, I'm a Joe Burrow fan. Oh, yeah, I, I, love, I think he's I like a great player. I love what he's bringing to the game. But I don't I don't think he uh, you know, defied all odds and won that game. That game was lost mm-hmm. by the Tennessee Titans, and Burrow didn't make the mistakes. So you could yeah. say that you know, in that regard, you know, he did he did his job, but he also – you know, he, he, what did he get done other than not making mistakes and letting Tannehill make the mistakes? So I guess in a way you could say that, you know, he did get it done, but it really wasn't his game that he won. It was more Tannehill just didn't get it done. Yeah. And he, uh, he essentially played the way that as a Titans fan, I hoped Tannehill would play a very, exactly a very moderate game. He's not, he, he's, if, if there's an MVP trophy given out at the end, he's not the guy getting it. And that's fine. You just don't want to throw any interceptions. He threw one, but you hope hope to not throw any interceptions. You hope to not give the game away. You hope to just go out there, do your job, play you know, play the way you should, and you know let let your talent around you do their thing. I mean, he's got tons of talented receivers, and he let those guys you know make plays. And he's got a great running back. You let him make Joe Mixon made some great plays, and that's the way you kind of hope Tannehill plays. Yeah, and I think back to all three interceptions. You know, the first one, first play of the game. You got a chance to establish Derrick Henry, who is arguably, when healthy, best player in NFL. Maybe not the best player. He's up. He's top five. Yeah. And instead of that, you decide to throw. I believe it was the first play, if I'm not mistaken. You throw it into coverage, and it you was. get picked. Yeah. And then the second one, they were on the 20-yard line, and a defender right there, and he tries to throw it through him. Got tips it, takes it back. I mean, all the interceptions were – it wasn't like Burroughs was a tip off the receiver and, you know, the guy from Tennessee dove for it and, and picked it off yeah. the ground. That It was all Tannehill forcing a play that shouldn't have been yeah. made in the first place. Yeah, I saw Burroughs' pick was being talked about after the game, still debating whether or not it was even an interception. It was that close, you know. Uh, and, and Tannehill's were not like that. They were just purely bad throws and – you know, to just point it out, you know, Tannehill's been a topic of discussion for a while now, um, specifically because of playoffs. You know, he he started his playoff career with Tennessee 2-0. and Won the first two games. That was in the same postseason. Uh, they upset the uh, the Patriots at the time, and they upset the Ravens as well and ended up losing to the Chiefs uh, in 
the uh, AFC Championship a few years ago. Uh, but since then, he's lost three straight games now. And over those five games altogether, even the two wins, he only averages 150 yards passing. He's thrown uh, – he threw three picks, obviously, in this game. He's thrown seven picks all around. And, you know, he doesn't have – there's no argument of, well, he doesn't have a line or anything like that. The Bengals have a pretty good defense, and they only gave up – or the Titans only gave up one sack to Tannehill. Mm-hmm. You know, to to the, you know Burrow's getting sacked nine times. Tannehill's got all the time in the world. He only got sacked one time, you know. So, you know, there's just, there's just no excuse at that point. I mean – especially after you see the rest of the weekend, you see all these quarterbacks making all these plays, putting up huge points. Uh, you know, it makes you – there's already that There's already that little bit of a wonder of should the, should the Titans move on from Tannehill, should they have paid them. And then you see all these other quarterbacks leading their teams, and they're basically the most important player at that point. And you're thinking, man, this Titans can't win with Tannehill. I mean, it's just and – I, and I feel bad for him because it kind of felt like Derrick Henry going down – and him and and all basically all his receivers going down, and him being the only consistent threat the whole season, you know, from beginning to end, and they still clinched the AFC one seed. You kind of think, well, maybe he's proven us wrong. This is his time to shine. This this could have been his way to turn the perception of of him as a player and as a quarterback in the league. And you know, he yeah. didn't show up, and so now it's. Well, I think know. that I think that his play reflected what kind of a player he is. And that's the direction they're going to have to go. They're going to have to either draft. They're going, to, you know, they're going to get a mid, like a twenty-three or twenty-fourth pick in the draft or whatever. And they need to either go quarterback or trade for a, a quarterback. It seems like that's all they're missing. Not all yeah. they're missing, but one, the main thing they're missing uh, right there. Not to say uh, Russell Wilson isn't going to make, make those, but I think he he's a guy that's some track record and gives you a good chance to win. I just I don't think Tannehill is equipped for this run that Tennessee is poised to go on in this next couple of years with the weapons and the defense that they have uh, a yeah. couple of a uh, couple of things out of that game too. A lot of questions about the two point conversion instead of the extra point. Uh, I personally didn't mind the two point conversion call. Uh, those extra points now in NFL aren't, aren't a given. Uh, they are now like 32 yard field goals instead of 17 yard field goals. So it's not a given. There's there's extra points missed quite often and you got a chance to go from the one with your stud running back, uh, I think I think you make that decision, go up an extra point. I really don't mind the call. Just, you know, they just didn't get done. But everybody knew. I felt like certain times in the game, I knew the ball was going to Henry. Mm-hmm. And if I know the ball's going to Henry, the Bengals know the ball's going to the Henry. Pay, yeah, the pay professionals yeah, definitely um, know. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of times where they could have, you know, that could have gone in a different direction, um, especially right there. Even though you know Derrick Henry is probably the one for it, um, but there's a, there was time, more times in that game where he was he was the 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 option. Everybody knew it. Uh, brings me to my next question: Do you think he was a hundred percent? I don't. Looking at him, I don't think he was a hundred percent. And I, I I'd say he was probably eighty percent though, at least. I mean, I don't know that it's there's certain. I think certain aspects of him were were b- back to normal or pretty close to it. But you could tell. I mean, even if it's just like a like a mental thing, you know what I mean? Like he's a pretty aggressive back, and you know, a lot of times guys like that, you know, there's a mental lapse of where they, you know, until you really get hit a few times, you can't really get back into it and play that aggressive style. But mm-hmm. not. I don't think he was a hundred percent. That's not. I the felt like a lot of the runs. I feel like a lot of the runs he was kind of leaning forward 
is anticipating the fall instead of yeah. trying to bulldoze his way. Yeah. And you know, once you start hitting those, you start hitting those defenders, you start digging a little bit more. Yeah. And I, I feel like he was kind of reluctant to really dig, maybe put some stress on that foot. Um, and even then an 80% Derrick Henry, um, yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I do agree that I, he didn't look like he was a hundred percent. I don't think they shouldn't have played him. Um, Cause I think, I mean, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been out there if he wasn't clear. But I think he was a little bit hesitant uh, to make some of the runs that he normally makes, which I don't think helped him in a lot of the situations either. Um, so get to vent a little bit about Tennessee. Uh, the other two games, 49ers defense comes up huge. Defense and special teams come up huge against Packers. I really didn't see this coming. I had been riding with the 49ers for the last couple of weeks, picking them to beat the Rams in the last week, picking them to beat the Cowboys, and I should have stuck with them. Christian, I should have I rode the 49er wave, should have picked them to beat the Packers, but I really didn't think anybody would beat the Packers early on in this, uh, pre, in this postseason. No, I, I definitely this is this was the game that I thought was going to be the only non-competitive game. I thought the Packers were going to win, and not necessarily in a blowout fashion, but I thought they were going to win handedly to where it wasn't even, you know, there was no controversy at the end. And and here we are. I mean, Shanahan, he's it's he's got the, it's the most boring play style in football, but he keeps winning. I mean, they're they're only exciting in the last two minutes of the game because it's always competitive. But yeah, I mean, I. I, I think I'd mentioned to you guys, uh, I don't, you know, I think some, I think y'all listen to Pat McAfee's show. I know, you know, uh, I know some of our listeners probably do as well. And, and the guy that's on there, I think his name's Ty Schmidt. He, uh, he's the, the pack, big Packers guy and he talks about him all year long, obviously, and keeps up with him. And he's been saying all year long how that, about this Green Bay special team, special team, special teams, you know, whatever, and how they, that was what's going to bite him in the butt. And that was going to be the only thing that holds them back from, from Rodgers getting a Super Bowl this year. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And the Niners didn't even score. No, no unit, offense or defense, scored a touchdown. Only their special team scored all their points with a, you know, with a blocked, uh, blocked punt right there. A couple field goals, extra points, all that stuff. They scored all their points. So uh, yeah, yep. I mean, it was some, it was some ugly football, but they props to Shanahan and the Niners for pulling it out. And uh, we'll see if they can keep that run going. And then the uh, Rams overcoming Brady's legend. I thought he was going to add another, another. Uh, I don't know what you call trophy to his case there. Yeah. Uh, from the legend that is Tom Brady coming down. I believe they were down twenty-seven to three. They were late in the third, and then they came back to tie it. And the Rams made some big plays, got in the field goal range to win it. Um, so that was a great game also. And uh, both of those last two games kind of bring us to this next topic, the Rodgers and Brady debate. And uh, one of us sent a, a tweet with a picture that had the stats comparing, which I'll let you go over in just a second. But to be honest, I, I didn't really know there was a debate between Brady and Rodgers. And definitely after looking at these stats, there's there's still not a debate. If anybody's debating which one's greater, take a look at this graphic. Christian, tell us about that graphic. Yeah, so it's it's pretty insane. Uh, so in the postseason, Brady is thirty five and eleven all time. That's insane. First that's off, in, yeah, thirty five and eleven. That's an average yeah. of three and a half wins to one loss. Yeah, and and Rogers, you know, is is eleven and ten. Yeah. So he's got. You know what is that? Twenty-four less wins and only one less loss. <laughs> one less loss. Yeah, and they both 
this is the craziest one. This this is even crazier than 35 and 11 to me. They each have 10 wins against NFC teams in the playoffs. And Brady is now in his second season ever playing in the NFC. Rodgers has been in the NFC his whole career, and he has just as many wins against NFC teams. I mean, you could win a wild card game and throw that on your on your record at that point. And yeah. I mean, that's just insane. He's played his whole career in the AFC, you know, but he's got so many Super Bowl wins and now has played two seasons, uh, you know, in the NFC, and he's got just as many wins against NFC teams. So yeah. I mean, it, I don't think it's been a much of a you know argument or debate basically since Brady won the Falcons Super Bowl. I think before that, it was a pretty big argument, and they kind of threw stats out the window at that point um, and just said that Aaron Rodgers didn't have the coaching, the talent around him, and, you know, that Brady had all those things, and he was still a system quarterback and all that. Now there's no argument. I mean, if, you, if you're looking at these numbers and you're watching Brady play, uh, he, he can't argue. He's the, he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. There's no argument there. Yeah, seven Super Bowl wins for Brady to Rodgers, one. And then another stat I saw, game-winning drives. Brady has 14, and Rodgers has 11 wins. And uh, Brady has 14 game-winning drives. So 14 out of his 35 were – they came back at the end and finished it. And then Rodgers has two. So after looking at these uh, stats, I don't think there's a debate. Uh, Honestly, I I don't think you can look at those stats. If you take the names off, uh, you you say, well, player A – Definitely has the uh, resume, and which is which is Brady. I think there's no debate on that. Uh, there's going to be a debate on MVP, and we said you know this would be a regular season award. I think they look at, uh, I think they're going to look at the uh, playoff and uh, yeah. see how they fared in the playoff because uh, the voting I don't think has been done yet. So mm. if you look at the playoff, Rodgers didn't get it done, and Brady all came made a comeback and almost pulled off the win being down early to a really good Rams team. So even then, uh, Brady had the season numbers. He They they both lost in their uh, divisional round, but Brady had the better game. I think Brady's going to win the MVP. I thought Rodgers might steal it after we talked last week, but I think, I think Brady's going to win it. I agree. I think Rodgers had the better defense. Rodgers had – Rodgers has the best receiver in football in Devontae Adams, arguably. And Brady's lost two of his top – you know, four targets, you know, over the last few weeks, you know, with Antonio Brown and, and, uh, what's the, what's the guy that tore his ACL? I'm blanking on his name. It was, was it Godwin? Yeah, Godwin. Yeah, sorry. So he's lost yeah. most of his weapons and, you know, still ends up putting up a, you know, it's, it wasn't their, their offense necessarily. I mean, they, they struggled offensively early on, but their offense put up the points and, and got them a chance to win at the end. Uh, their defense, you know, gave up tons of points though. Whereas Rodgers, couldn't even really put up any points. I mean, they lost a game in which the opposing offense didn't even score a point. It was all special teams. So, yeah, I don't. I think this was this was Rogers' chance to to uh, to win the MVP and take it from Brady uh, and come out here and win a Super Bowl. And pretty disappointing that uh, you know he wasn't able to do that. I think it's definitely going to be Brady that wins it, and it's going to be interesting to see what Rogers does in the offseason now. Yep. So big time NFL games got. Uh, two big games coming this weekend. I can't wait for those. Uh, nobody got hobnailed, really, in the NFL games, but you know who got hobnailed, Christian? LSU oh, yes. basketball yes, I do. got hobnailed by Tennessee. I picked LSU on this one, uh, but I I really enjoyed watching – I watched the game. Really enjoyed watching LSU win. I didn't realize how big of a Tennessee. baby 
Will Wade is, I mean, when things don't go his way, uh, I think I think he's just feeling the pressure, and I think he hears stuff in the stands about the FBI and strong offers, and I think it gets to him. And then he thinks he has to. Uh, gosh, he just he cries like a baby when it does. He does not get his way in the games. Yeah, I, he almost embraces that personality. I think I think he does it on, intentionally, almost to put on a show. Whatever. I'm sure yeah. LSU fans think it's hilarious, and you know back their guy but yeah i've never i can't stand will wait ever since the whole fbi thing i mean we to to be a tennessee fan and to have lost a guy you know over a barbecue it's it's unreal that will wade got essentially zero zero punishment and a slap on the yep. wrist at the most but but yeah tennessee was if you know they just got blasted they got hobnailed a few weeks ago to, to lsu you know and in yep. uh in baton rouge and here we are in knoxville and tennessee was actually a five and a half point favorite which is pretty, pretty good, you know, pretty good spread there for Tennessee for the home team there, and ends up winning sixty-four to fifty. One had a pretty dominant second half. Um, can't believe I'm saying this, but Euros, you know, ended up with twelve points. He's had a great couple games here. He's playing really well. He's filling oh, he's in. Starting that. to get some minutes. Yeah, and we talked about Fulkerson losing those minutes. You know how many minutes he had against LSU? Fourteen. At 14, and uh, he's averaging 19 minutes a game since Christmas. On the year, he's averaging about 23. So you got to think before Christmas, he's probably getting 27, 28 minutes. There was only actually, I think, one game where he didn't, he got less than 20 minutes before the Arizona game. And now he's getting 14, 17, yeah. 16. It's unreal how his minutes have gone down, uh, but I think it's for the better. I agree. Uh, not and I and I think and that pains me as a fan to say that. Uh, I'm not you know I'm not a Tennessee basketball fan per se, but I do like I, I watch because I like Tennessee football. I'm a Duke basketball yeah. fan. I watch Tennessee basketball, and to watch a guy like John Fulkerson uh, lose his minutes is not demoralizing, but I almost feel bad for him knowing what he's given to the Tennessee program. He's almost like an old man who's about to retire, and you you he doesn't know it. He doesn't know it yet, but he starts to feel like, okay, I think my time is almost up. I think he's realizing, and Rick is realizing, his time is almost up. And we've got to go with these young guys. One guy I really love on Tennessee's team is Ziegler. Oh, my gosh, I love that guy. I hope I can't wait to keep watching him for the next three years for Tennessee. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. All about all that stuff about Fulkerson, it's, it's, it's really upsetting. I mean, I don't know that there's a Tennessee fan that – you know, doesn't truly like Fulkerson specifically as a person. Right. You know, they may disagree with him as a player at times, especially this year. He's a, but he's a good ambassador for the university, and he will be after this he, year. Correct. Yeah, I mean, he he's just he's perfect. I mean, he's he's you know he's from Kingsport. He essentially is a hometown guy almost, and he's I think he'll always be you know revolving around Tennessee basketball and always be around. and And props to him too for embracing this role. You know, I, I I made a point this game to watch him in the huddles, watch him on the bench, watch him when he's getting taken out, getting put in, to kind of watch his his body language, and and man, he's he's pumped. I mean, he's he's the first guy to celebrate at a timeout when they have a big play, and he's you know he's not arguing with Barnes, he's not slumping, he's not sitting at the end of the bench, and and he put up he put up eight points in fourteen minutes, which is you know pretty efficient. That's pretty great. He didn't miss a shot. And so maybe, you know, I don't, I can't believe it, but maybe this is his niche. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
props to him for embracing it and and you know and going forward with this and I, maybe you know he could be a big threat you know in the tournament at this point you know coming off the bench you know when teams are a little little tired and you know he's not putting up huge minutes but he's a, a guy that was an all SEC preseason guy 2 years ago i mean we're talking 2 seasons ago yep. He was all SEC first team to start the year. He had high expectations, you know, after having a pretty dang good year the year before. And and like you said, Ziegler, I mean, dude, these they got three guys that are, you know, absolutely tearing it up right now. All these foreign guys, you got Ziegler, uh, Vescovy, and and Euros all playing better than arguably anybody outside of Kennedy Chandler at this point. Um, so props to them, and and props to Vescovy. He's, I, he's he, to me was the most inconsistent player we had last year. And, and arguably the year before, and this year he's been the most consistent. I mean, even when Kenny Chandler is is not having a great game or or doesn't show up as much, or obviously Fulkerson's not showing up a lot, he's he's coming out. He's dropping points. I mean, he's he's arguably the most consistent player we got. And uh, you know, props to him. This team's a it's it's a fun team to watch. I think they're all kind of finding their niche and where they fit in. And my only complaint uh, after these last two games where they played really well was uh, is the same thing I've said is getting. Uh, uh, Brandon Hundley Hatfield some more minutes, um, which he has been getting a little bit more. But I think if if he played probably five more minutes on average a game, uh, if not more, then he would he'd make a big difference too. And hopefully that happens before tournament time. Yeah, what's going to happen with Fulkerson? <clears throat> Fulkerson is such a great guy and a great ambassador for the program. He's going to come in in a couple of situations where it's grim, Christian, just like the Grim Reaper. It's going to be grim. He's going to come in and provide a spark, say like a Kentucky home, yeah. and they're down four late. He's going to come in and get a couple buckets and a rebound and fire the crowd up. And in semifinals oh, yeah. or quarterfinals of the SEC tournament, get a huge steal in a bucket. That's where, and then he's going to his legacy is going to be. You know, he didn't have everything going for him senior year, but he never gave up. That's the Tennessee yeah, way. Yeah. That's so that's what I that's what I hope to see out of him. Um, and like you said, not not pouting on the bench, being that finding his niche and and being that guy, that glue guy that can come off the bench and uh, provide a spark. So I'm looking forward to that for him. Uh, now sticking with some college basketball, uh, since we were going to do this yesterday, uh, AP poll hasn't hadn't come out yesterday. I had. I was going to propose uh, what do you think Auburn was going to be ranked on Jesse Newell's poll um, based off of their performance. They beat Kentucky, uh, beat somebody else this week, and uh, some teams that lost in front of them. Obviously, Kentucky was ahead of them and lost. Purdue lost to Indiana. Villanova lost to Marquette. And uh, I kind of thought they would put him up one spot in the eighth. I had written down sixth. I had written down sixth. <laughs> he actually put him at fifth. Yep. Um, so a little bit, a little bit better than I thought. But after looking, it looks like he just kind of copied the Ken Palm rankings, which yep. also had Auburn at fifth. Yep. And Emory keeps asking the question, why even have a poll if you're just going to copy the Ken Palm rankings? Uh, because numbers one through five, the teams that Ken Palm has, he's also got. He's switched two of them. I can't remember which two. Teams six through ten on Ken Palm, same ones as Newell. There's two that are switched. Eleven through fifteen. Same teams as his 11 through 15, just a different order. 16 through 20, same thing. And the last five, like there's like two of the last five they've got combined. But he's just going through there and looking at Ken Palm and going, oh, I'm going to change this up, change this up. I don't think he's accurately figuring out 
what the what the rankings sh- should be. And also, I was going to put the line at how many teams he's got at their lowest or highest ranking. So his name's on the poll tracker more. I put it at five and a half. And guess how many there was? How many? Thirteen. Oh my! Thirteen gosh. teams. Thirteen teams that he had either at their highest or at their lowest. So that way, on the poll tracker, his name shows up as he's got them the highest and he's got them the lowest. Now, I thought it was 10. And then some of them have like two voters at 23. And I looked at those and uh, three of those had, he was one of the many people that had put them at. And one of them was Kansas. He's a Kansas beat writer. And he's got them ranked the lowest. They're like second or third, maybe they're third. And he's got them ranked as the lowest I think ranked ninth on his, uh, aren't they? Yeah, I believe so. Ninth or eighth? Eighth or ninth? Uh, yeah. So get this. Yeah. So he's got he's got Villanova at the top. He's I think they're number seven. They're fourteen and five. How many losses does a team have to have? Yeah. Before you drop them out of your your top ten, and the losses they've got, I mean, they're not great losses. It's not like they're losing to Gonzaga, no. Baylor, and Kansas. They're losing to mediocre teams. And then uh, he's got Florida at 12 and 6. They're number 23 on his poll. They're 39th in the rankings. 14 and 5, Iowa. He's got them at 18. They're 36th. I mean, what is he looking at? Yeah. In the words of a a previous podcast from Christian, what are you doing? What are you doing? He is absolutely making a mockery of these polls just so I, I think he likes this. Uh, Jeff Goodman it. had quote tweeted something about when Auburn beat Kentucky he said, all right, Jesse Newell, it's up to you. He loves this. Yeah. I think he's loving this interaction and I think he's making a mockery of what the, what the polls should be. Now in the grand scheme of things in college basketball polls don't matter. No. Um, but if you're, if you're just doing something for notoriety, you're not doing, you're not doing what the poll responsibility should be. And, I, I'm going to look at his uh, poll tracker every week, and I've been at something similar. I mean, 13 teams, you've got them ranked the highest and the lowest. You are looking for controversy. You're looking for people to disagree with you. You're not looking at ranking them based off of their record and based off of what they've done. You're trying to start something. That's yeah. my opinion on this. I think I think you're you actually – hit it right nail on the head when you talked about you broke it down you went one through five and talked about how a couple over switched up and then six through ten i think you named his entire strategy i think he goes to ken palm goes one through five and he's like all right let's switch two of them which two do i want to switch these two six through ten does the same thing i mean i think you hit the nail on the head right there and i also think i mean this this is a you know getting one of these votes you know I know there's a lot of them, but to be able to get one of these votes, it should be something that's very well-respected and that you show respect to as one of the voters. And to almost make a mockery out of it just to stand out, to get your name out there. I'm all for people standing out to get their name out there for notoriety. But when you're doing it in this platform, when you have a very well-sought-out, well-respected, you know, important to fans and, you know, and teams vote – and you're you're making a mockery of it just so you can you can provide for more publicity. I think it's wrong. I don't I don't think that's that should be that should be it should be talked about more. It should be frowned upon even more than it is. 
And I'm not saying he should get like a violation or a suspension or something, but you know, at some point you would think that the Associated Press would, you know, stand up and say, Hey, like you're making a mockery of what we've created. And and it just makes a mockery of I mean, it hurts the AP AP poll because then you have people who see this and they're like, Okay, these guys don't know what to throw them out. Who cares what the AP poll says? You know what I mean? So it's just yeah, they all around I think it's pretty crazy. And I know we'll keep tracking it and Props to him. He's getting people like us to talk about it, but you know, I I just think it's I think it's wild. Another thing about the uh, the poll tracker is they've got this uh, little system to where the team's highlighted if it's an extreme pick. That means if it's five spots away from the actual ranking, they highlight it. And most teams or most voters. Uh, I just pulled up some random voters. Some guys had like three extreme picks. Five extreme picks, six extreme picks. Christian, he has 12. There are 12 <laughs> out of the 25 in his top 25 that are five spots away or more away from the, where they are actually ranked. Uh, if you are, if you have 12 extreme picks compared to everybody who's got four or five, you don't watch basketball or you are intentionally doing something for notoriety. And here we are giving him this notoriety. Yep. And uh, and a lot of the people, uh, I didn't know who Jesse Newell was before this. A lot of the people that listen to us probably don't know who he is. But I hope you're as fired up as I am about the responsibility that he has. And it really drove me crazy last week. Uh, well, of course, it drove me crazy with the Duke thing that he didn't have Gonzaga ahead of Duke. That's where this all started. And we, we've kind of been following him all uh, here lately. 36 out of the 61 voters voted Auburn the number one team in the country and he had them ninth. And I get if you don't want to vote him number one, you want to vote him number two or even three. But to say they're ninth, you should lose your voting credentials. Yeah, and it was the difference in whether or not they, they were number two after that. It, it was if, the difference if, in them if, getting number one. If he had voted them I think five fifth or or better is he was fourth or better or five because it was five five or six votes that made the difference then they would have been the number one team in the country. I mean, there's there's schools that go their entire history never getting a chance to be the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. Now, I know Auburn at, you know, at, at Charles Barkley, and years and years ago they were really great and you know had probably number one ranked teams at, at times, but they've been notoriously known as a football school. So you know if you're an Auburn basketball fan, you know getting that number one spot, which they ended up getting this week, is a big deal. I mean, yeah. and and so it's yeah, it's just it's just it's distasteful. It's it's almost, but it's borderline disrespectful at this point. And um, it just seems like, like you said, he's just doing it to get some notoriety. And I mean, he's getting it. We're talking about it right now. We spent you know almost ten minutes now on it. But I just yeah. think it's it's distasteful and it's it's disrespectful. And you know, I think if I'm the Associated Press, I I at least say something to him. You know, I give him the same well, punishment Will Wade got, which was nothing. <laughs> well, he uh, the, he often uh, tries to back up why he's voted yeah. this way. Like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go back to the Gonzaga Duke thing. He said, "Well, I think that on a neutral court, uh, Gonzaga is the better team." And at the time, Gonzaga had uh, one more loss, and Christian they played on a neutral court in yes. Las Vegas, and yes. Duke beat them with full rosters. Duke outplayed them, beat yeah. them, had less losses. I mean, that, how much more proof do you need? Yeah. Now, it might probably if you if Gonzaga 
and Duke at full rosters played 10 times. Gonzaga might win seven of them or six, but like that's the proof right there. Yeah. They only got to play one time. That's the proof. Now, I mean, in national championship, let's say it's Arizona and Kansas and uh, Arizona beats them on a neutral floor. Is he going to vote Kansas number one? Because he thinks that if they play again, on a neutral floor, they'll win. That's not how you. That's not how you do it. You yeah. vote on how they've performed, and uh, and then to, uh, on top of that, he says, "Well, I use the Ken Palm. Well, which one is it, man? Do you use Ken Palm yeah. or do you use uh, what you think they'll do if they play again? Which is ridiculous, by the way. Yeah. You go by what they've done this year, who they've beaten, how those opponents compare, head to head matchups. That's how you rank teams. Yep. It's just ridiculous to me. And I'm not going to stop talking about this because I know every week he's going to have some kind of ridiculous uh, nope. aspect of his poll. And I love it because it gives us something to talk about and rant about. I love ranting about things. Um, ranting about my family sometimes. Don't tell them I said that. Uh, <laughs> ranting about uh, my job sometimes. Don't tell my boss I said that. Just <laughs> ranting in general I like to do, but especially about – Jesse Newell. The college basketball rankings and Jesse Newell. Yeah. Uh, another thing I could rant on, which I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, is uh, Grayson Allen got suspended for a game for a hard foul on Alex Caruso the other day. Uh, before we get into this, Christian, your take, is, was that a malicious play? So I think this might surprise you. And I think this might surprise you. Not only my thought on this, but my thought on Grayson Allen in his entire career in basketball. So, for one, I do not think it was malicious. Um, I think it was somewhat – I mean, he, he could have avoided it. You know, it was a little wonky, and he probably could have been a little more careful, but I don't think it was malicious. And I don't think that Grayson Allen is a bad person either. Like, I can remember in college, especially the first couple times he had some little mishaps, thinking like, dude, this guy's getting so much heat because he's the stereotypical hated white dude at Duke, like Christian Leitner and J.J. Reck and all that stuff. And I remember defending the dude and always thinking, like, man, this guy, I mean, I almost rooted for him because of it, because he was so so hated and so disrespected. But, no, I, I don't think I don't think it was malicious. Uh, he got a flagrant two for it. Um, unfortunately, Alex Caruso did, uh, I think he, he didn't break his wrist, but he, he did something to his wrist that will require surgery, which is extremely un- unfortunate. And then Grace now and gets suspended for one game. So, what do you think based off that? What do you think in general about your? I know I'm I'm sure Grace now is one of your dudes. I mean, he's a Duke guy, so he's I'm sure. You, I mean, I'm sure you kind of think the same way. I remember the last. I think the last trip thing in college. I just remember being disappointed in Grace now and thinking like, "Come on, dude! Like, what are you doing?" But you know, other than that, I don't think he's like people think he's like an evil guy. I mean, it's just, it's crazy how they've blown this out of proportion and he can't escape it. Now, anytime something like this happens, it gets exemplified 10 times worse than it really is. And I think that's what happened here. Let's talk about Duke Grayson Allen first. Uh, Duke Grayson Allen freshman year was playing behind uh, Tyus Jones, Jalil Okafor, Justice Winslow went to the national championship against Wisconsin. And it's not, um, it's not a secret that he there were some plays in that game that he made, some hustle plays, some baskets that catapulted them into the national championship yeah. to win the national championship. Yeah. He had kind of been a bench warmer all year. You can see the athleticism. 
but mm-hmm. he kind of been a bench warmer and wasn't really a star. Then the next year, uh, he became he became a star. He you know, that was yeah. the, the next year. That's when they had uh, Brandon Ingram uh, yeah. was was there ne- the next year. He was he was the leader of that team. And then the year after that, that's when they got Tatum, Harry Giles. Uh, they had some. They had some studs there too, and he's been on great teams. Great. And in those last couple of years, he was. I think he was feeling the pressure, uh, feeling the heat a little bit. These other guys were kept going pro after the freshman year, and he kept coming back, coming back, coming back. And a lot of the weight was on his shoulders. And hundred percent, there was time. Those times where he was tripping those guys, I th- he did that on purpose. And he yeah. should have got a worse punishment. Then he did. Coach K said, I'm going to punish him indefinitely. Punished him for one game. They lost. He said, all right, you're back in. I don't think you do that. No. I think you set the tone, which I think we talked about this this year with uh, Bencaro and uh, Severino. You, he, They did something worthy of a punishment. And they needed to be punished by games. And I think he should have. they should have said two-game suspension for Grayson. Even a three-game suspension. Like we're, That's not no. the conduct we're going to do. We're not going to trip players. We're not going to do that. And I would have been fine with that, but they he went with an indefinite suspension, lost the game, he got suspended, and said, All right, you're done. That's not I just don't think that's how you do it. Yeah. But everybody that's not a Duke fan complained about it. And I just kind of had mixed feelings about it. I, I thought he should have got a worse punishment. Because of the Grayson Allen at Duke, now he's he's labeled as this guy who's gonna take cheap shots and cheap shots yep. and cheap shots. And there's even been some instances in the NBA where he's stuck a foot out. And I don't agree with that. But Grayson Allen is not the only one that sticks a foot out or Definitely not. Puts, it, puts an elbow to somebody's neck. Uh, we've seen it many times this year. And on that play from the other night, I, I don't think it was malicious. Uh, he's He's got his eyes on the ball the mm-hmm. entire time. He goes up with his left hand to block. Uh, their arms hit, and as he gets hit, he gets spun around, and he's trying to get the ball with the right hand. Yeah, and it looks like he's it looks like he's pulling him down, and I don't think he is, and it's unfortunate that Caruso broke his wrist because I don't think I think if he doesn't break his wrist, if he pops back up, that's a flagrant one or flagrant two, and and uh, I think it's done. But now that he's broken his wrist, I don't I don't think that the result of the play should dictate the suspension. The play itself should dictate the suspension. Exactly. I don't yeah. think it did. And the same night, Taylor Horton Tucker for the Lakers. Same situation. Made a hard foul. LeBron was even in on that. Spun the guy around. Took a nasty spill. Got a flagrant one. Because Tucker doesn't have a reputation in the past for doing something dirty. And Grayson Allen does. Now, I can say that as a Duke fan. But also, I'm I'm looking at that. If that's not Grayson Allen, that's a flagrant one foul. Yep. Yep, I agree. That's my take on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. I think... For you mentioned specifically how it looked and how he reacted and how he was going for the ball in the NBA. When a guy is going maliciously at another guy or he's trying to body him up, get physical, hurt him, whatever, he's immediate. You can tell by his body language because they're usually he's immediately going to go over on top of the guy or you know mean mug him or something. You know what I mean? Like Grayson Allen looked like he didn't even know what happened. Like you know what I mean? Like he didn't even realize that Crusoe got. You know, got 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 hit that hard. I mean, it was like he didn't know that anything, you know, even potentially malicious happened. And I'm glad that you mentioned the Lakers thing 
because I actually was going to ask you, and I had it in my notes here. I was going to ask you. So on the on the official Twitter that we have, I want you to post that video, and I have it saved. I can send it to you. I want you to post that video, and I want you to put it in the poll with it. Is this any more? Is this more malicious or as malicious than Grayson Allen's play on Caruso? And I'm curious what what people say because I think that one looked looked worse. I mean, the outcome, yeah. like you said, it was a big deal because the guy popped back up. He was fine. You know, he didn't have he didn't break a bone that required surgery. But I'm very interested to see what people think. You know, from a completely well, different team. It's like you said, they it literally the type of player that involved and how bad the injury was determined what kind of foul it was and the suspension and not the actual foul itself, which is wrong. Right. And like I said, there's many uh many players that's that do dirty stuff in games that get away with it or they don't get away with it. And uh, unfortunately for Grayson Allen, this is going to – just his past play is going to tarnish what he does. Any hard foul that Grayson Allen does is going to be a dirty play. There's hard fouls all the time, stopping guys from getting baskets late in the game and uh, going for the ball. And, and unfortunately for him, it's just not it's not going to be a good look anytime now. Nope. All right, so uh, last segment here, we got throwing cheddar. we got four games we're going to make some quick picks on. Uh, first one is tonight's game, Texas Tech against Kansas. Who do you got on this one? Texas Tech-Kansas. So Kansas is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Uh, they did lose to Tech by eight earlier this month. Uh, I just wanted to note this. This is pretty pretty crazy. I know that everyone knows about Bill Self and his domination of the Big 12. You know, I know he won the Big 12 for like 12 straight years or something like that. He at home in his time at, at Kansas, Bill Self is two hundred and seventy-seven and fifteen. That's a ninety-five percent winning wow. percentage at home. Now that's and not just Big Twelve. That's anybody, right? Anybody, anybody, anybody. And they they play. They usually play one of those neutral site games at the beginning of the year against a, a Duke, a Carolina, an Arizona, whatever they'll know, whatever it may be. So I mean, that's that's insane. And I mean, that's it's wild. And so. Uh, because of that, um, you know, Kansas, it's, I think they're they're too good at home. Bill Self is too good. I know the Big 12 is the probably the best they've been collectively in probably a, a decade or more, you know, in college basketball. So they're pretty tough every every weekend, week out's pretty tough. But because of that and how dominant they've they've always been at home, I think I think Kansas wins this one, and it'll be a close one. They probably win by about five. Yeah, Texas Tech has got some big-time wins. Um, I don't think they get one here. I think Kansas is going to uh, get them by about five. Uh, Kansas plays well at home. I think they've only lost one game at home this year. Uh, they've got a really good team, unlike, um, uh, unlike what Jesse Newell thinks of them in his coverage area. They've got a really good team, and I think they're going to get Texas Tech here. Uh, Michigan State and Illinois. I'll make the pick on this one first. I actually got Illinois. Uh, I know Michigan State has a better record, and typically an Izzo coach team is ready on the road or at home or neutral site, they're, they're never not ready to go. Uh, but Illinois has got everybody back, I believe, right now. And then uh, I think they're playing for a statement win because, you know, they were they were one of, they were one of the top three teams in the country last year. And they've yep. not lost – they've lost, you know, a uh, – was it uh, – what's one of their guards? They lost him. He's in the yeah. NBA and they played for the Bulls. We talked about him I earlier. Yeah, yeah. They've lo- they lost him. They've got everybody else back. And I think that they're going to get a statement win at home against Michigan State. Uh, Arizona-UCLA, Christian, that's tomorrow. What do you think What do you think about that one? So, on that one, it's, it's Tuesday night at uh, – or, it's, sorry, 
Yeah, Tuesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern time, unfortunately. So I don't know, don't know if I'll be catching this one. Uh, You'll be saying that. Yeah, <laughs> it is in L.A. Uh, I'll, I'll note this. This is pretty in- insane. I know Arizona. So Arizona lost to Tennessee. Of course, everyone knows, uh, which is a big statement win for Tennessee. Since that game, Arizona has won five straight games. Mm-hmm. And here's the margins of victory. 25, 28, 18, 21, and 16. Lit a fire under them. I mean, that's insane. And and UCLA, look at their last few games, and you know they have a better over. Or, no, no, they don't have a better overall record, but they they're winning games, but they're winning much closer games, and it's against some pretty bad teams, arguably too. Uh, their only big win, really, or anything to brag about, was against Nova in overtime, and that was really early in the season. And Villanova's not really like you talked about. They're fourteen and five. They're not. They're pretty much underperforming. So because of all that. Uh, I think Arizona wins uh, on the road here. I also have Arizona winning. I've got four guys averaging double figures. Uh, neither team is really like battle-tested week in and week out. They've had some games where they've had some big-time opponents. I think Arizona's the better team right now, and UCLA playing at home provides no advantage. Mick Cronin even said it. It's nice to go into Utah and play yeah. uh, a game in front of fans. We can't even have fans, but the uh, SoFi Stadium can sell out for the NFL for the NFL game, yep. uh, which he's not wrong. I mean, that's ridiculous that a college is not letting their fans come in uh, and 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 support their team. So uh, I think because of that, Arizona's going to get them. And um, I, I hope that these teams that don't let their fans in, they keep losing these games. <laughs> I, agree. I, agree. Honestly, I, just, I, I just think it's, it's nice karma for them. Last one, Jazz and Suns. I like to make an NBA pick here and there. I usually try to pick some uh, a big-time game like this to the top teams in the West. Who do you got on this one? So there's no spread on this yet. It, it is in Phoenix. Uh, Suns got the best record in the league. Uh, and they're at home here, like I just said. I think, honestly, I, I know J.J. Redick just mentioned this on his podcast. I think the Suns should be considered a heavy favorite to win the championship this year. I mean, they were right in it last year. Uh, things didn't go bounce their way and didn't end up winning it. Um, but they're the most consistent team right now. Uh, they're very healthy as long as they stay healthy. Um, and they're at home on this game specifically. So because of that and because of how good I think they are, I think the Suns win by at least six points here. I'm thinking about putting a hefty $3 wager on them to win the NBA championship in June. Uh, you've just convinced me. I'm going to go ahead and do that. So what, what do you think the odds are right now of them winning a championship this early? I think it's going to be like plus 550 or something like that. Yeah, I bet the Bucks are probably favored if I had to guess. So I think yeah. they're it's it's up there. You could put it on both. You probably win your money. It's got to be one of those two teams, I feel like, at this yeah. point. Yeah, I'm going to pick the Suns also in this one. Jazz are good, but the Suns are playing really well. So I'm going with Suns also. Uh, So that's going to end our podcast, guys. We are going to be live Wednesday night. It is currently Monday night, so when this comes out, it'll be Tuesday morning. Uh, So Wednesday night, we will be live. Planning to have Jared Karkoff on our show. Uh, We told you to go follow him last time. I don't think a lot of people have followed him. I know Emery and Christian have. He's not a local guy like we are. Even though technically, Christian, I'm not really a local guy. I didn't grow up here. And Jared didn't grow up here either. We grew up uh, typically in the same area. Um, But he is a fellow Cascade High School alum like myself. Uh, He's currently a football and baseball coach in Georgia. He coached for Travis Hunter. Uh, he was the number one prospect, signed with Jackson State, coached him in high school. So I'm looking forward to talking to him about that. Should be a fun one. Hopefully we'll uh, 
get some live listeners, and we'll be prepared for that on Wednesday night. Christian, before we close, you got anything uh, you want to add? No, I'll just say that, like, echo what you just said. Pretty awesome. We got a pretty big time guest coming on. Verified. So, yeah, verified on Twitter. Uh, one of the top two most notorious alumni from Cascades High, uh, only behind you, Rucker. Uh, and make yep. sure we, we we'll have to make sure we mention that Wednesday night. Um, yep. But yeah, I've, I've been telling people about this uh, just in discussion. People have asked me about it. They listen, you know, regularly, and uh, they're pretty impressed. They're like, "Wow, man, how did you, you know, how did you pull that?" And, uh, and I took all the credit. I just said that, you know, they, he, he's a personal fan of mine. So I'm going to keep running with that same story and that it's, there's no other connection other than he's just a personal fan of me specifically. So, yeah, uh, well, we're going to talk about, uh, our connections, um, on Wednesday, but, uh, hopefully he's a, he's a pretty fun guy. So I'm, yep. I'm hoping that we, uh, have a good, some good conversation and some good topics for him. He's really excited about coming on. He mentioned to me that he, when he played, uh, college baseball at austin p he did some radio shows so he's probably gonna be better than us naturally no, much better uh, but, yeah. but that's okay that's okay uh we're, we're gonna welcome him anyway hopefully it's a good show on wednesday that's gonna end our podcast tonight christian and i uh we'll have emory back wednesday also so that uh, should be a good one wednesday night and we'll see you guys then